Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. Have you ever felt like you were an outsider in a strange place where you didn't fit in? A foreigner? This week, we've been addressing the topic of immigrants, foreigners, and strangers in the Bible. And I'd like for each of us to think back on our own lives to times when we felt like outsiders and apply these feelings to the way God looks at this common situation. So let's begin with prayer. Be with us tonight, dear Lord, as we turn to your word. Open our understanding and allow us to take in what you would have us to receive. Bless each one listening tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start with my outsider story. And while you listen, think back to times when you felt this way. You felt like an outsider or a stranger. Um, I grew up next to the Mason-Dixon line, separating Pennsylvania and Maryland, about 15 miles from Newark. And I was accustomed to life in the Northeast. I attended high school in Rising Sun, Maryland, college at the University of Delaware, and then I taught math in Cecil County, Maryland school system. This area was home to me, and the local customs were all I'd ever really experienced. Then in 1991, my pastor husband and I began feeling that God was calling us to a different place, away from here where we both grew up. The church he pastored was about a mile from his father's farm where he grew up. And God made it plain to us that we should put up our house for sale, which I had designed and was on two acres of the family farm and just see what happened. So during a time when houses were selling very slowly, there was a house down the road that had been for sale for two years. But right away, we had multiple offers. But God hadn't shown us where we were supposed to go yet. Just told us we'd know when we got there. That was a bit difficult when we had settlement coming up. But as usual, God was right on time. And we moved to the Appalachian Mountains in the southwest corner of Virginia next to Kentucky. And we felt like fish out of water. It was a totally different culture from what we had experienced before. And we had to learn the rules, and learn how things went there. The entire county had 22,000 people and four traffic lights. It was coal mining country, very few jobs, and many people had to move away to find work. And that county was surrounded by mountains on every side, and the access roads were narrow, curvy, and steep. It just was very secluded, but also beautiful with gorgeous mountain views. One of our first trips into a store was to a Rite Aid, which was right next to the Piggly Wiggly grocery store. When my husband and I and five of our children went to check that out, the cashier took one look at us and said, y'all aren't from around here, are ye? It took years to not be looked at as foreigners and strangers. 
and I remember it being a time of extreme adjustment. There weren't even any familiar strangers. So, does my story trigger any memories for you? When have you felt like an outsider? It could have been attending a new school after moving to a new neighborhood or a cross-country move taking you where you knew no one or to a different country with a totally different culture. Think about the feeling of being an outsider. On May 8th, Meg taught a beautiful lesson on the mother-daughter-in-law relationship between Naomi and Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite, and we're going to look at this same story, but from a different perspective, from the perspective of Ruth as an immigrant, stranger, and foreigner. So let's review the origin of the Moabites. After Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah with his family and his wife, she looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. So the only family Lot had left were his two daughters. And they turned to their own devices and both had sons. In Genesis, <clears throat> excuse me, Genesis 19, verses 36 and 37, it says, as a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. When the older daughter gave birth to his son, she named him Moab. The resulting nation, the Moabites, were enemies of the children of Israel, and they worshiped pagan gods. Numbers 21:29 says, what sorrow awaits you, O people of Moab? You are finished, O worshipers of Chemoth. This is the nation where Ruth lived and grew up. This was her normal. Her late husband had been an Israelite from Bethlehem who had come with his family to Moab to escape a famine. And finally, all left from her husband's family was his mother, Naomi, and a Moabite sister-in-law, Orpah. We all know the story of how Ruth insisted on going along with her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem after the end of the famine. Her oft-quoted words were from Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So Ruth was volunteering to become an immigrant, a foreigner in a land she didn't know. She was leaving behind her family and all that was familiar. There are times in our lives where God is calling us to a place that is totally new to us. Notice that Ruth was willing to leave behind the gods of the Moabites, her family, and everything that she had known up to that point. She must have seen very special qualities in Naomi to be willing to make this choice. 
I can clearly remember the first time returning to Maryland after moving to Virginia and crossing over the Potomac River in Harper's Ferry and seeing the sign, Welcome to Maryland. It was an extremely emotional scene for me and it had only been four months. But Ruth promised to remain with Naomi, serve the God of Israel and die there. It was her choice to make a total commitment. In Meg's recent account, we heard how Ruth was blessed to become the wife of Boaz, the family redeemer. She later bore a son, Obed, who was the grandfather <clears throat> of King David. God allowed Ruth, an outsider, a foreigner, an immigrant, to be included in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So while God in the Old Testament separated his people from the nations around them, he also invited those from these same nations to change. And if they did change per his instructions, they were welcomed among his people. And the story of Ruth is a prime example of the inclusiveness of God. So how does this apply to our lives today? Is God still inclusive? Does God still welcome immigrants, foreigners, and strangers if they agree to change according to his instructions? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 8, and I'll be reading from verses 6 through 13. This explains the new covenant that God established with his people. So in verse 6, but now Jesus, our high priest, and, and let's stop right there and think about that. He's the high priest, not like the priests were before. We've studied some of the other priests, like the sons of Eli, that had so many problems, but Jesus was without sin. So again, in verse six, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God, based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, saith the Lord. Okay, so that's where we are now. This is the day he's talking about. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will, be not, will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. So consider all the problems the Israelites had in the wilderness not being obedient to God, making a golden calf as a false god, complaining about the manna God provided. And then there were wicked rulers. So let's continue in verse 9. So I turn my back on them, says the Lord, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, 
nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. So in this new covenant where Jesus is the high priest, who does God welcome? Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 tells us, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All are one. It's not your country of origin or your social class or your gender that determines your status with God. It's whether you are in Christ Jesus. All are welcome, but like under the old covenant, people must be willing to change according to his instructions. Until a person comes to that place of surrendering to God, he or she is still an immigrant, foreigner, and stranger in their relationship with Jesus. When we come to God, we leave all we know and enter a world that's completely new to us with new priorities and new ways. We may be in the same place physically, but it won't be the same spiritually. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The Bible refers to God's children, but not to his grandchildren. Even those born into the church must eventually come to God for themselves. We've been given free will, but the opportunity to have a relationship with God is open to all. And as a New Testament example, consider Saul. He was openly opposing the church and God was able to get his attention. While on the road to Damascus to persecute believers, God struck Saul down. Acts 9, 5 says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Even Saul, who had been vehemently opposed to the disciples of Jesus, was accepted when he was willing to change. And then in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 43, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are apostles. We apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, 
but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We are those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be judge of all, the living and the dead. And then verse 43, he is the one the prophets testified about, saying that everyone, everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. With God, no one needs to remain an outsider. Just as Ruth was included as a member of God's family, today we can also be included under the new covenant. Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross and has sent his Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. John 14, 15 through 18 says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Know that God is not trying to hide from anyone. He wants to gather anyone and everyone to himself. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So tonight I'm urging all of us to examine our relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. He'll not turn anyone away. No, no one need be an outsider in his kingdom. If we're willing to search for him with our whole heart, he promises that he will be found. He desires for each of us to commit our lives to him and then recommit daily to following as he leads through the Holy Spirit that he has promised to us. No one need be an outsider. God accepts all. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for being a God who wants everyone to come to him. Keep our hearts and minds tuned to you daily and lead us by your Holy Spirit that you have given us. Lord, draw in any outsiders. Make your presence known in a way that will speak to anyone who does not know you in your fullness. And for those who know you, Lead them to daily recommit their lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you for joining us tonight. It's been quite a week on immigrants, foreigners, and strangers. And we have a lot more in store starting tomorrow. Good night.